Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Fantastic. I want to welcome you guys. Uh, we're in our third part of our four-part series entitled Gods. And uh, if you're joining us online, um, we actually have a new streaming. We actually stream all of our services live now. So if you're uh, watching us from any part of the world, we want to say welcome. Uh, glad to have you a part of OneChurch.tv, as well as those listening to podcasts. So uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And uh, we're talking about God's and God's stuff. And the entire premise of this series is that none of us own anything. We all just manage it. Now, before we get too deep into this, I need to ask you guys a question. How many of y'all have ever borrowed something from somebody and messed it up? Anyone? Me too. In fact, um, I'll, I'll tell you about something that recently happened to me. Is uh, I borrowed um, a grill from a, a dear couple here at One Church. Uh, back in the summer, we were going to do a men's Bible study on Thursday nights entitled Grill and Chill. And uh, we were going to do Bible studies, and I was going to flip burgers, and we were going to have a great time. So I borrowed the grill uh, from this fantastic couple. And, um, and then literally the weekend before uh, this was to start, I had a bike wreck. I was in a hospital, and we never did get to do it. So uh, the grill sat uh, behind our offices uh, untouched, I thought, uh, until we found out that uh, some people uh, who actually rent the facilities around us used and abused this grill. And, um, and then by the time that I needed to re- return this grill to this couple... Uh, it was a mess. And, of course, I was embarrassed and uh, uh, very frustrated about the whole thing. And, of course, you know, I needed to make it right. And all of us, we have borrowed stuff from somebody. Or maybe, let me ask you this question. How many of y'all, somebody has borrowed something from you and jacked it up? Anyone? That may be a little bit easier to say. Many of us are like that with God's stuff. And that's, in, that's what we've been looking at in this series, that really all of this stuff is God's. He owns it all, and we are just stewards. We are just managers. Some of us are good stewards. Some of us are good managers. And others of us, you're like me with my friend's grill. We're not that great. We're not that good. Many times we mess stuff up because we think it's our stuff. In fact, let me give you, this is not a preacher story. This is a true story that I read recently from a theological journal called Reader's Digest. And I'm going to read this. Um, A true story. A traveler between flights at an airport went to a lounge and bought a small package of cookies. Then she sat down and began to read a newspaper. Gradually, she became aware of a rustling noise from behind her paper. She was flabbergasted to see a neatly dressed man helping himself to her cookies. Not wanting to make a scene, she leaned over and took a cookie herself, hoping that he would get the point. A minute or two passed, and then came more rustling. He's not getting the point. He was helping himself to another of her cookies. By the time they had come to the end of the package, she was so angry, but she didn't allow herself to say anything. Then, as if to add insult to injury, the man broke the final remaining cookie in two and pushed the half across to her, And as he ate the other half, now she's getting ready to flip. Later, when her flight was announced, the woman opened her handbag to get her ticket, and to her shocking embarrassment, she found her pack of unopened cookies. (laughs) Whoops. You know, coming to grips with whose cookies are they? 
And that's what we're going to be looking at because that, that whole premise changes everything. Whose cookies are they? And I, th- I really feel like one of the biggest mistakes we make with treating God's stuff as our stuff when it comes to debt and to credit cards. I agree. It makes you cry. Today we're going to have a credit check. And we're going to go through this and we're going to look at credit card debt and we're going to look at how you can get out of credit card debt. Now let me just kind of be honest with you, all right? I remember when I went from high school to college and when I, my first semester of Austin P, I got my first credit card offer. And I'm like, I've made it, right? I mean, I, I am an adult, Right? I mean, I was so excited. And the first one, man, I signed up for 24% interest. I was so excited. So excited because I was an idiot. All right? And then, I mean, I got, I just get, I used to get excited, excited when I used to get stuff in the mail. Mr. Chris Edmondson, you know. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be good. So I kept on getting more credit card offers. And I'm like, yes, finally. The banks know me. They know that I'm an amazing person. And the more I realized it, the banks were banking on me going into debt. And and they really didn't have my financial well-being in mind. And if you have ever went into credit card debt, you will realize that they don't have your financial well-being in mind either. They don't want me to pay my bill off. They want me to keep on paying the minimum payment. And here's the, here's the kicker. If everyone in America paid off their credit card bill at the end of the month, we would shut them down and put them out of business. Isn't it amazing how credit card companies and all this stuff, they got, you know, like buyouts and stuff like that through all of this stuff in the economy. And I'm like, where's my, where's my buyout, right? And maybe you've kind of wondered the very same thing too. Let me give you some statistics. The average American spends six hours a week shopping and 45 minutes a week playing with their kids. Now put that in perspective because guess what's coming up this Friday? Black Friday, exactly right. I mean, people go nuts. People have been stabbed, they've been shot on Black Friday, and we spend more time shopping than we do with our children. Our priorities are a little jacked up here. Let me give you another one. Over 609 million credit cards are held by United States consumers. Over 609 million. The average number of credit cards held by the average American is 3.5. The average percentage rate is 12.78%. You know, we talked about tithing and giving last week. The reason why most of us can't tithe and can't give is because we're tithing. Actually, we're doing more than that to MasterCard and Visa. We're paying our tithe to them, all right? Um, And then the average American owes $14,517 in credit card debt. I could ask, how many of y'all are above average or below average? We're not going to do that, all right? But here's this thing. If we're going to have a right view of money, then we're going to have to understand how God views money. And contrary to popular belief, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10, says this, for, look at this, for money is the root of all evil. Is that what it says? No. All right? Let me just be the first one to say, having money is not a bad thing. How many of y'all want more money? Me too, all right? It's crazy like that. 
But see, money is not the root of all evil. What is? The love of money. And we're going to be talking a lot about this next week. That where our treasure is, there our heart is also, Jesus said. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Have you ever seen the desire of, of, just, of money consume someone? It's amazing that we use the word consumer because so many times it can consume us. And maybe it's happened to you. I know it's happened to me. We would say that we were, we're not in love with money, but if we were really honest with ourselves, we would have to admit of the comfort it brings. You were in love with the sense of worth that it brought or the sense of worth the boat or the car or the dress brings to you. That we're in love with the rush of the excitement of going and getting that electronic device or whatever it is. Credit card companies are banking on you and I being in love with money. And they will know that before long, we won't be in love with it, we will be owned by it. That's huge. Now, I'm going to go straight to our big idea and we're going to spend some time unwrapping this. And i got to be honest with you. This big idea I struggled with quite a bit. Because, in fact, it actually even created some debates um, with our staff. Let me read it to you, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Financial bondage. Everybody say financial bondage. Financial bondage never. Now, that's a strong word. I'm going to have to kind of define that. Never happens from not having enough income. But by overspending and living beyond our means. Financial bondage never happens from not having enough income. Now let me spend some time unpacking that because most of us in here today, we probably don't believe that. We believe that we would be out of financial bondage if we made more. Here's the reason why that word never is in there because some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you made more, what would you do? Exactly right. So the key to this, and if you would put that big idea back up there, the, the key to this is living within our means and not overspending. Now, again, we're talking about financial bondage. So many, many of us, you've been broke, you've been poor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually being a slave to a credit card. All right, this is what Proverbs 22, 7 says. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is what? Servant to the lender. That Hebrew word for servant literally means slave. It means to be in bondage. It means to be in debt. It means that you, we're strapped. We can't pay the bills. Most of us don't, going, don't go around saying, I'm a slave to money. But what we have a tendency to do is we're enslaved to debt. And th there's this subtle thing happening here is that all of us, we, we say, we, we, put, we, we make this straw man. We put it out there, if I made more, then I would get out of bondage. But what, what we don't do is we don't fix the internal things happening to all of us that causes us to go into bondage, financial bondage, in the first place. That's huge. Now, let me tell you, for some of you, we don't have a lot of older people in, in our church. I wish we had more. Um, but uh, I, love, I love hanging out with people who are older than I am because they have wisdom. The book of Proverbs says, 
a gray hair is a crown of glory seen most among the godly. And I love that verse, and I'm hoping I'm going to go gray. Our worship pastor, Josh, is very godly. So <laughs> anyway, I say all that by saying, how many of y'all know some people who lived during the Great Depression? Anybody? I mean, you can always tell people who lived during the Great Depression because it marked them, didn't it? I remember my grandmother, we used to call her Meemaw, uh, I remember, I mean, she used to save tinfoil, right? I mean, that's crazy, right? We use tinfoil once, we throw it away. No, she starts getting out the iron and ironing it and washing it and all kinds of stuff. Why? Because th- th- it was just, it was pressed into them. That, and here's a principle, that if you didn't have enough money to buy something, you didn't buy it. Uh, and some of y'all, think about this. If you didn't have enough money, you didn't need it. We have this tendency to mix up wants and needs, don't we? Crazy, crazy. But I know for some of you, especially some of the younger folks in here, that, that, that's, I'm going to say this one more time. If you didn't have enough money to buy something, you didn't charge it, you didn't need it. That's huge. Because I think so many times when... Uh, our parents, it's taken them years to amass, you know, uh, enough money to be able to have this type of house, this type of car, this type of cost of living. And we expect when we're 22 years old that we want it now. We're a microwave generation. And we think, okay, if my parents have that when, it's six, when they're 60, when I'm 20, I deserve that now. But the thing is, our parents, many of them, they saved and scrimped and saved the tinfoil so that they could be able to make that happen, and we just Amex it. We just charge it. And there's this entitlement, it seems like, in all young people, and I'm including myself as being young as well, all right? There's this interesting. Now, I think this, we have this, we're a generation of pretenders, that we pretend to have something that we really don't own, we're still paying on. In fact, this is what Proverbs 13, 7 says. One man, what is that next word? Pretends to be rich, yet how much does he have? Nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. There are three types of people in this world. There are the haves, there are the have-nots, and then there have not paid for what they've got. Right? And most of us are in that last part. Now, I've spent a lot of time looking at the problem. Let's look at some solutions of how we can fix this. And I want to say from the get-go, a couple of things. Um, this is v- a lot of this stuff I'm going to be talking about is very general, but we are gonna, we're actually providing you guys some tools that many of you can get out of financial bondage and out of debt. Let me give you two. First one is if you go to this website, onechurchmedia.tv. There's a couple of things you can do on there. You can download small group questions. You can watch uh, the services streaming. But we are pro- providing you with some financial tools of just a strategy for spending, of how to get out of debt, and we're going to give you some of those uh, tools here in a sack talking about those. That's one. The second one is when you leave these doors today, we have a table set up um, that has, we have some DVDs and some uh, packets that you can pick up to be able to help you get out of debt. Because we just don't want to say debt is bad, we want to help you get out of it, all right? Now, three main reasons, uh, three, I should say, 
three planned steps of how you can get out of debt. The first one is this. It's going to take willpower. Everybody say self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks what? Self-control. Do you know that if you don't have any financial self-control, you are like a city without walls, and you're going to be defenseless against attacks. You're going to be defenseless when you go into Walmart, and you're going to say, I didn't know they made that in red. Oh, my gosh. Now, ladies, I'm going to spend some time talking with you. It's going to be dangerous. I know I'm on thin ice, and me being on thin ice is different than you being on thin ice, right? Just saying. And then, guys, I'm going to talk to you and us, all right? The first, ladies. Ladies usually have a tendency to nickel and dime to death. All right? It's like this. You got a new hairdo, and it looks great, so you went out and you purchased a dress that was 20% off for your new hairdo. And in order for you to get a new hairdo, and you got the new dress, and then you got a new belt to match it, and then you had to get your, you know, the red pumps, right? And then all of it, and you're like, look, I saved some money. No, you didn't. You nickeled and you dimed and you nickeled and then you dimed. You got to be careful of that. Guys, I'm going to talk with you. We don't nickel and dime, do we? We spend all the nickels and dimes at once, right? Hey, baby, look what I, I just bought a timeshare for me and you. That was a wise investment. I, you know, I just went and I got a Chevy truck and I had to get the 3500 because I'm pulling the new boat that I just bought, Right? I mean, we don't nickel and dime it. We spend it all at once. Here's the thing. If we are going to get out of debt, then we're going to have to have some willpower, and we're going to have, to, and we're going to, have, to have some self-control. Everybody say no. no. That wasn't that good. If you say no like that, you're going to be pregnant by tonight. Just saying. Just saying. Send your emails to joel at onechurch.tv. All right. Everybody say no like you mean it. Thank you. Very good. Now, when you go into Walmart, what are you supposed to say? Exactly. No, not yes. We're going to have a talk later, Mr. Brad, all right? No, no, no. See, I mean, there's so many times we confuse wants and needs. I mean, think about this. We want a lot. In fact, let me give you a statistic, really interesting statistic. Christmas is coming. The average American family spends $795.86 on Christmas last year. That's $154 billion. Nobody wants to be paying off Christmas the following May, right? So let me tell you, it's coming. Black Friday's coming. Remember that. Is this the want or is this a need? That's you. Let me give you a principle. Pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. Say that with me. Pray before you pay. And let me just give you some principles out here. In fact, it's on the screen. If if it's under $100, pray for one day. I'm going to pray about this. All right? If it's, that's a, a new shirt, pray about it. All right? New pair of jeans, pray about it. All right? If you're buying a cat, don't pray. God doesn't want you to have it. All right? I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just playing. All right? If it's $100 to $1,000, you need to pray for one week. Should you get the iPhone, the new iPhone, pray for it. Hang on. That's a good one. That's good. 
pray for it about it for one week and see what God has to say. Um, if it's over $1,000, pray for a month. I'll never forget. I just, I got a newer vehicle. I didn't buy a brand new one because we all know buying brand new vehicles is not smart. Anytime you buy a brand new vehicle, when you drive it off a lot, I've been told, and you may have been told similar, that it loses 40% of its value. So I'm always looking for good used cars, and um, uh, I should not say always looking. My, uh, my Amigo blew up. In fact, last year, it spent more time down than it was up. So I was looking for this car, and I prayed and I prayed. I remember going um, in, in, to this used car dealership, and he wanted to close the deal. I mean, let's do it now. I'm like, no. I'm going to pray about it. Well, if you pray about this too long, it may be gone. And I said, okay, that's fine with that. Because I'm not going to be pressured into a deal. And for some of you, if it's too good to be true, then guess what? It's too good to be true. You pray about it. Pray before you pay. The second one, if you're taking notes, is this. Tough decisions. Sacrifice. Tough decisions. Let's start with the tough decisions. For some of you, it's going to take some tough decisions of saying no, because let me tell you, this culture that we live in is always saying that you are not, what you've got is not enough. That you're not as good as everybody else unless you have the whatever, iPhone 5, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you think is out there. All right. If unless you don't have this certain type of dress, or unless you're not driving one of these, and our culture creates this lack of contentment, that and, and it's going to take some tough decisions to say, you know what? No, I am content. In fact, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Philippians chapter four, verse thirteen. If you look at the verse before that. It says, the first before that, is God has allowed me to be content in everything. It's amazing how we can take scripture out of context and make it apply to anything. But he's talking about contentment. You know what? Many of us, we need to be praying. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means when I'm going to go to Best Buy, I'm going to just say no. Or when I go to whatever it is, coals, I'm going to just say no. Let me give you, this is Proverbs 21.5 says this. Good planning and hard work brings, leads to what? Prosperity, but what's those next two words? Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Let me talk about debt consolidation for just a sec. All right? And everything that I'm getting ready to share about this, um, I got from Dave Ramsey's website. Um, Debt consolidation is dangerous because here's the problem. You only, you only try to correct the symptom. You see, the reason why you got into debt is you, again, financial bondage never comes from not having enough money. That's our big idea. It's from overspending and not living within our means. The debt is still there, but the habits that cause the debt are still there as well. 78% of the time, after one consolidates credit card debt, the debt grows back. You want to know why? They've not changed what's in here that caused it in the first place. And I get this. This is interesting. Dave Ramsey says this. Debt consolidation seems appealing because there's a lower interest rate. But here is almost all the times the reason why the rate is lower is because the term has been extended. Let me explain that. Okay, you're not paying 10% anymore, you're paying 8%. Sounds like a good deal. What you could have done, though, is if you paid the 10% in over four years, you could have got it, but now it's doubled to 8 
So they're going to get their money one way or another. And let me tell you, hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. That is huge. Now, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is giving something up you love for something you love even more. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, was sacrificed on the cross for us. You see, Jesus would probably have loved not to have went to the cross. But he loved you and I more. And that's the reason he went to the cross and he died for you and I. Now, let's apply this to our money. Many of us, we want a bigger house. But in order to have a bigger house, that means both spouses would have to work. And for some spouses, for some families, both spouses would prefer not to work. So you have a choice. We're going to, we're going to have a smaller house to be able to have live within our means so that two people won't have to work. For others, uh, I mean, buying, uh, you know, do, brown bagging it. You know, I don't want to have to bring my food to work. I want to go out every Every day for lunch. Let me tell you, this is a statistic, that if you brown bagged it every day, you would save $112,000 in your lifetime. How many of y'all would like $112,000 in your pocket? I would. What does that mean? That means we have to start spending less on food. All right? You see, again, the problem in our culture is this. We usually ask these questions. How much down and how much a month? How much down and how much a month? And instead of, we should be asking this question, how much is the real cost and how much is this going to cost me over the months and months and months of payment? All right? Again, let's go back to those statistics. The average American has $14,517 in credit card debt. How did they get it? If you would have asked most couples, they'd go, I don't know. Do you have have anything to show for it? Probably not. Maybe a trip to Disney. Maybe a trip out west. It may be um, your car broke down, whatever it is, but you've got four, over fourteen grand in debt. If you pay the minimum payment of $217.93, all right, on that $14,000 in 18% interest, you know how long it's going to take you to pay? 40 years to pay that off. Now, how much would you have spent what does it say? $14,000 worth of debt, it's gonna, you're going to spend $104,000 for that fourteen grand. Now, let's, let's change this a little bit. Let's say you didn't have the $14,000 worth of debt, but instead you had $14,517 and you chose to invest it at 12% for 40 years. How much would you have over that? Uh, over a million. Again, quick question. How many of y'all want to be millionaires? All of us, right? But you see, we have to start making sacrifices now and saying no so that we can say yes to later. That's huge. Now, the third part of this is this. Time. And that is working the plan. Here's the deal. You, we can, all of us can wander into debt, but you can't wander out of debt unless you got a plan. That's huge. And the reason why a plan is so important is because without a plan, we are left at the mercy of our own desires. How many of y'all ever seen the movie Up? Squirrel! Right? I mean, you're doing good. You're fine. And, you know, until you go into that car dealership. Squirrel! Right? You go into what? Squirrel! Walmart! Squirrel! I mean, we get so, we are so focused at what's right in front of us. 
And then we buy it, and it's squirrel, and we get focused over there. Isn't that right? We have to work the plan. Without the plan, we are left to the mercy of our own desires. All right? There is no quick fix way out of this. I want to read you a verse that I read earlier. Proverbs 21.5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Good what? Good planning. That's huge. It's going to take a plan. So I'm going to give you a get out of debt plan. How many of y'all in here are in debt? I mean, even if you're in debt for a dollar, come on. That's probably all of us. All right. I'm going to give you a get out of debt plan. It's not a get out of jail free. It's a get out of debt plan. The first one is simply this. Save $1,000 for emergencies. Everybody should be sitting on a grand that they don't touch ever unless an emergency happens. And guess what? Emergencies will happen. All right? Your kid's going to take a marble and shove it up their nose. Right? You're going to, you're going to have a bike rack. Uh, the, the vehicle is going to get messed up. Right? Um, something will happen. There will be an emergency. And if you have this $1,000 cushion, you don't have to run to MasterCard to be able to pay it off. Now, again, there's some things that are bigger than a grand. All right? But this grand will take care of most emergencies that are out there. Now, how are you going to get this $1,000? I don't know. It's going to be sacrificed. Thank you very much. Uh, again, I remember uh, in Iowa, we, uh, when I was pastoring in Iowa, it got really tough. We cut off cable. What did we watch? Nothing. We watched each other. All right, we, uh, our, I was going to say, our romance went up, all right? It may help your family out as well, but you, you're going to have to figure out some ways that you can cut some corners and be able to take some stuff out of your life so that you can create a cushion. That's huge, because if you don't have a cushion, when an emergency comes up, and it always will, you're going to run to a credit card. Now, the second one is called debt snowballing. Debt snowballing. And here's what we're going to do: is I'm going to uh, we're going to show a video of a pastor. His name is Craig Rochelle, and he explains debt snowballing far better than I could. And then afterwards, I'm going to come out and I'm going to close. So let's watch Craig right now. <laughs> 